Buongiorno, and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 131. I'm Jeremy, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Ed Wynn of UnnamedGameShop.com and Jim Casali of CoolStuffInc.com. We're joined, of course, this week with a special guest, the Magic Man Sam, a.k.a. Ristic Studies. And, of course, we'd like to thank our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com, for supporting this podcast with free shipping on orders of $25 or more and a sweet 30% trade-in bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Italian Magic the Gathering needs. How are you guys doing? So, time out. First of all, it's a free shipping on orders of $100 or more, not $25. I don't know where you got $25 from. Second free of all, I don't think they sell 25. any Italian Magic cards. Huh? It's free shipping on $25 if you pick it up from their booth at a Grand Prix. I don't okay. think I'm wrong. <laughs> I, you might not be wrong, but also... That's not, no, that's not how this works. Okay. It's free shipping on orders of $100 or more, and there's pickup at Grand Prix. Those are two different separate things. Second, well, Jim, Earth, it's amazing that our sponsors, coolstuffing.com, have given us free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Isn't that great? It's fantastic, actually. It's I also know. free if you uh, live next to the store. You can just go walk in and pick it up. Mm-hmm. Hey, how you- uh, I'm good. How about you? Uh, pretty good. The Blues just won, so everything's going great. Ed, how are you doing? How was Toronto? Was it fun? Was it cold? Yes. Yes. That's it? Yes. Yes, all, yes, all the above. That's all That's and, all I got. That's all I got. All right, well. <laughs> Thank you, you for that in-depth, our, in-depth look. You might as well introduce our guest if you want to go ahead and talk about how basically every magic player on the planet yeah um what's up guys uh jeremy was making italian puns because um uh yeah i'm halfway through a doctorate in italian studies um i am sam from ristic studies and i'm happy to be here I'm, i'm happy to hang out and talk with you guys uh i've known jeremy for a long time since the beginning of mtg youtube basically and he flew me out to St. Louis last year to play in a legacy tournament. So I got to play in legacy for the first time. That's where I met Ed as well. I met Jim at Vegas a couple of years ago and I stole his Monarch token on accident because we played EDH once and he's never let it live me down. So um, so this is just hanging out with the dudes tonight. Um, I'm happy to be here. I've always loved this cast and um, happy to talk magic cards. And speaking of magic cards, we have some interesting magic card shenanigans going on this week. We had an announcement from Wizards that we would get in another announcement in the future. Could never before. Um, do you guys want to talk about Mythic London? Sure. So, because so for, for anyone who's not uh, keeping up, Wizards said they had another announcement coming, but like didn't do a very good job of saying what that is that's going to happen and channel fireball then announced that the gp or the magic fest and mythic championship in london is going to be a pre-release it's going to be on pre-release weekend and it's going to be war of the spark sealed deck and a lot of people are upset because pre-releases have pretty much been like a sacred weekend like no no large no other large magic events happen on pre-release weekend it's a it's a time for your lgs to get everybody in all the people that don't play all the time you know everyone comes in for a pre-release you know the the spikiest spikiest people 
the most casual kitchen table people. Everybody comes in for the pre-release because this is the first time you get to play and you get to purchase the new cards, basically. What this does is it's going to pull a lot of people that would have been going to their LGS uh, for the pre-release to go to the Grand Prix instead. Uh, I don't know how many of those people there are, but like because there are not uh, as many Grand Prix in Europe as there is in North America and specifically in the United States, uh, there's a pretty high chance that most or all of the people that live in the area were, or, or, or at least the, the people that were going to travel for Magic will travel to this event. And that's going to bring, that's going to cut business out of the stores that might have been relying on it. Now, you know, you only get four pre releases a year. It's hard not to be upset from a store standpoint. You know, this is kind of, the, 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 you didn't give a lot of them a lot of time to like figure out how they're going to do this, how to maybe differentiate themselves from the pre release and, and get more people into the store. And just the, the announcement itself is just like not very clear. Um, organized play in general has been pretty, uh, I'll say, disorganized and a lot of things have been changing very quickly and very frequently which leads to a lot of confusion there's a lot of pro players that don't know how to qualify for the pro tour or the mythic championship sorry this is going to take a long time to get like used to saying that phrase but it's just really weird to have them all of a sudden go back to the old style pre-release like there's nothing wrong with that style of pre-release, it, but it's just they chose like a really weird time to announce it and to to change it back. Like I figured, if they were going to do that, they would have at least waited until, like you know, oh, we're going to announce the War of the Spark pre-release, but the next one is going to be a big pre-release, and this is where what date it's going to be. Like at least give people some heads up. They, they, it's really unfortunate that they keep doing this where they keep announcing things very close to when they're actually going to happen, which doesn't give people a lot of time to plan. And I think that's like one of the bigger issues. Um, personally, I don't know how this pre-release is going to go or this Grand Prix, I guess, is going to go because it's a sealed Grand Prix. And generally speaking, at sealed Grand Prix, people will go do events and then sell the cards back to vendors to pay off what they spent. What are vendors going to pay on cards on a pre-release weekend? Like, you can't really pay a lot for them, right? I, I mean, I feel like this is where I can kick it off to Ed. Like, what are you expecting to happen in, during this weekend? Because how do you buy cards that haven't seen it? Like, there's no tournament for them yet. And then even if you do buy them, can you resell them to people? Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of missed the first part. I ran downstairs. So uh, for our listeners who are watching... And who may not know, this is my friend Gavin. Uh, he was here in Toronto um, with me. He flew in. Oddly enough, he is probably more qualified to speak about this than anyone else because he is he runs Magic Madhouse, which oh. is one of the stores. And his store is the closest Magic store to XL London, which is a venue that the GP will be hosted at. Uh, we, we talked about this briefly before I got on the <laughs> podcast, but I'll let him give some thoughts about this because he is... Um, very, very closely tied to this, and I think he is probably well qualified to talk a bit. So I'll pass the mic over to him. Oh, man. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so I found out this about, about an hour ago, and I've been doing furious, furious research. It kind of sucks right now. It's from a store perspective, it seems like we're, we're I mean, in the nicest way, we're being like kicked. <laughs> like, 
we didn't know anything about this before kind of the public announcement and so we're we're furiously trying to figure out how to figure out what's going on and whether we're going to get any players at all i think the thing that it's in our favor right now is they seem to be charging like 60 or 70 pounds for entry tickets which i mean we normally charge something in the region of like 22 i don't know what this is in dollars i'm sorry guys i'm not very awake um but yeah it's we're just really hoping that we're going to get casuals still coming to us which which is definitely <laughs> just seeing the comments about my hair what is this <laughs> um yeah it just kind of like ran downstairs and was like come and talk on this thing i i don't know what i'm doing um, just give your thoughts on it right like we talked about this obviously a little bit before i came up right like you're again you're the one that's gonna be hit hardest by this because yeah um so yeah it's just like I, I'm gonna be at the show anyway, which also is kind of a bit weird because you want to be in your store for pre-release. That's when you make your money normally. Like, so I'm not gonna be there. I'm not gonna know anything about what's going on, and I don't know if there are gonna be any players there either. Um, I just have no idea. I guess I'm gonna get all the ones that don't want to pay the money, um, and I'm gonna get all the people that that aren't super competitive, and I'm hoping that I get a bunch of people just through proximity that scrub out but yeah i'm, I'm struggling to to be happy about it <laughs> um another odd thing is like it seems from the reports that they're going to be doing pre-release events all day on the friday um which kind of completely cuts out the whole kind of excitement of a, a midnight pre-release like our store might as well not run one everyone will be playing all day the midnight pre-release is almost redundant and yeah, that that was, I don't know about you guys, that was one of the most exciting events in the calendar for me. Like, that's the one where you kind of, you get together and you have a good time. Like, our store's a bar as well. Like, you don't have many of those over here, but we drink a lot. We play magic. We stay up until five in the morning. That's a good night. I don't know how that's going to be affected. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> I, I think to summarize it, I think like Jim hit it on the head as well. Basically, the fact that there's no leading up to this, you don't really have any time to prepare. You're clearly too late to change your your plans because uh, previous allocations have to be put in a fairly uh, long time out. You have to sanction your events a fairly long time out as well. You don't really have a lot of. There's not really any shifting gears here. You've basically committed to doing the pre-release, and now with this dropped. Like he learned about the same time I did. Like I, I was asleep. I was asleep downstairs. Uh, we both got back from Toronto earlier this morning. Um, he like we like I asked like did he see the announcement? Like obviously he was the first to hear it. Um, and the fact that we're all trying to work through this at the same time just doesn't really leave a lot of room, yeah. right? Like like I know if I'm gonna be there, like I'm I, like I would love to go to this place to um if they hang out with them. It's a very very nice place. So anyone who actually is out there listening, they are two stops away if three stops away like yeah, yeah we're, we're super close like look us up when you're out there it's magic madhouse london um there are a bunch of stores in london though and we're all going to get really hard by the hit, hit really hard by this um because of how small the uk is like every store in the country is going to get hit a little bit by this as well yes first brexit and then this yes. <laughs> <laughs> everything is destroyed my country is on fire <laughs> <laughs> but now it's on fire as our country. 
<laughs> and we have a much bigger fire to put out because there's yes. more of us. <laughs> we actually talked about this extensively on the weekend about like who, who, whose country was failing harder. Like, so, yeah, it's it's not. You just you are. We're, I, I feel like we're on fire in equal amount. It's just your dumpster <laughs> is smaller. Yeah. So there's just less fire for you to put out. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's it's the state of both of us right now. Like, I can't. It's it's not a great place. <laughs> You know, I, I think know. I all... feel like Britain will get off scot free. Oh my God, you're the worst! <laughs> Why would you do that? We have two guests on, and Jeremy still pulls this. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, go ahead, dude. It wouldn't be a cast without it. I think a small effect is that you're gonna separate just kind of the people like your the people that go to a pre-release because the pre-release really pulls across from the the very beginners of Magic to the most enfranchised players, and so in a weird way. Uh, like if you're a very enfranchised player, you want to go to the GP, you can do that and compete with people that are on the same level as you at a pre-release, which isn't really common and something that I know it sounds elitist to say, but is sometimes frustrating from an enfranchised player's perspective to like have to, you know, kind of teach people the ropes while you're trying to get excited about new cards and stuff. So, um, I think like if I were in your position, I would still hold the event because, especially the newer players like they're not going to want to go to a gp you know like i think that that market is still available to you because they, they don't know what a gp or a magic fest even is um no doubt you'll be hit by it no no doubt you know um but uh but yeah i think that's going to be a weird effect from having the pre-release the same weekend as the gp and like have the gp as a pre-release so uh i don't know I think that's my only thought on the matter, but no doubt that the best, I mean, the biggest issue is just that you didn't have enough time to plan. So like, yeah, like it's fully, we have no, no time to kind of sort this out. It's also with the kind of like the player base, uh, you know how it is as a store, we're kind of said like introduce new players to the game, get them into playing magic, teach them about kind of FNM, like get them playing some drafts and then send them off to a GP. Like I don't want, to send them off to this GP. Yeah. I want yeah. them to be in my store. Like, and in like for the past kind of five months, I've been saying, hey man, GP London is going to be great. You're going to have a really good time. You're about the level where you're going to get a lot out of this. Like you're going to learn so much. And now I'm just like, they're like, ah, don't go, stay with me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a weird, a weird path where like normally like you want them to go and you want them to get that experience and then they come back and they play harder and with this like that's the one weekend like that's the weekend where i don't want them to be away from my store yeah like <laughs> so yeah so i have a question uh i was trying i i said this a little bit but i didn't really get a good feel of what, how you guys feel about this generally speaking at limited grand prix you go there and they're after the set release, so you know what cards you want to buy from people's sealed pools. You know, if you go to like a Ravnica Allegiance one, you know how much to pay out for a Hydrid Crisis or a Kaya or whatever. What are you going to do this weekend? Like, what what are your pre preliminary thoughts of what are you going to do this weekend as far as like buying and selling cards? Like, are do you is it are is there any information or is there any precedent about whether or not you can even sell things that have not been technically released yet? Because this is the pre-release weekend, so if you buy cards from the people for their from their sealed pools, can you put them back in your case and sell them to other players? Is this for me, or is this for you? Yeah, I think this is a general question. <laughs> um, so I think, like in regards to buying, like obviously it's much easier now. 
the best this weekend, past weekend, was much easier because Raven Collegiate's prices have started to bottom out. They started to stabilize. You basically know roughly the, what the price is going to settle at. In New Jersey, the first weekend for me, it was we're just winging it, right? We just know, like, hey, these cards have sold well. I, we probably should buy more, but you don't actually know what the price is. You don't know what if you're overpaying and then in a week you you paid way, way, way too much or you're not paying enough and then you didn't buy enough copies of a card to, be, to keep up with demand or whatever. Um, but here, we're taking that even one step further, right? Like, this is literally the first time people have these cards ever. Even, um, I think this would even be before normal pre-releases, or if it is at the same time, right? No one else is going to have access to these cards. Um, I know that the fact that uh, boxes have been sold, that you uh, ever since they did the limited allocation for boxes to be sold on the weekend, a lot of people through third parties like Facebook or whatever, they've been able to sell cards, but obviously TCG Player doesn't allow stores to uh, ship cards until the official release date. Um, so here for the GP itself, right, no one knows. Obviously, we're just going to have to wing prices, just hope that we're buying at the right number. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of things we're overpaying on, which I imagine that there's there's going to be a lot of passing. Like, this card's clearly overhyped. We're just not going to pay the premium price. We, we'll just open boxes or whatever. That's what I feel. But Luckily, like, in the UK, we, we pay relatively low anyway. So it's... It's kind of safe in a way. We're just going to be paying super low, and they're going to be numbers in the case for high, I think, until we can get a grip on what's going on. And the prices on that weekend are just going to be completely different from the week after. And as as long as you're aware of that, then it's yeah. <laughs> I'm just oh man, it's it's going to suck for me. <laughs> there's just a lot. There's a lot, obviously a lot to take in right now. Like I imagine, hopefully with more details, we'll have a better idea. But we're just working with what information we have right now. Two things I wanted to add uh, that I didn't clarify on. A lot of the Facebook groups have banned posting new cards because the admins can't handle that many posts. For example, Sick Deals no longer allows uh, new cards until the week the set is actually out because there was just like 10,000 posts a day. The other thing that's going to be interesting, which a lot of vendors used to take advantage of, um, there's no foreign Grand Prix after London. Madison is next Grand Prix two weeks later. So you can't overpay on all the Mythics, have one spike, and then just get free money because there's no easier way to out that the following week or you can't really use arbitrage as easily to move those cards. Um, Channel Fireball may not even allow people to buy and sell those cards on site. We don't know. Uh, you can buy them, sorry to clarify, but you may not be able to sell them before the set actually comes out. So that could be a rule that Wizards puts out and it could affect all the vendors. Because I don't know what, I don't know like if you've gotten an email from CFBE yet, but I'm not sure if they've clarified that yet. If they have, that would be nice to know. I mean, this dropped like a few hours ago. I imagine that they'll probably have a follow-up email with all the people who have solicited to do uh, GP London at this point. Again, from the Reddit post, it sounds like they're under NDA. They didn't really, they can't really talk about it until now, obviously. And I imagine yeah. they're, starting to, they're starting to fill in with what, whatever might come up. So, all right, moving on. Sam, you're on a finance podcast. You yeah. do video essays. 
what is going on? Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I try to keep uh, the pulse on every little aspect. It's mostly just because I've enjoyed your cast for a long time. And like Alt would, would yell at uh, the microphone right now, like you have to be a bit... You have to be a bit fluent in every aspect of the game, even though I don't, I don't participate in, in your cabal. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. We, we, it's just because we go back, like I said in the intro, man. Yeah. Um, is there? Do you have you clarified what's going on outside of like long form Twitter posts and what you're doing and why you've stepped back from taking video or making videos for a bit? Uh, yeah, just you... yeah. It's largely just because. Um, I just finished my comprehensive exams in the doctorate program I'm in, so that took up a lot of my extra time. Basically, like I couldn't justify doing research for magic videos when I had research just on the table to do for my degree. So any free time that I had was spent just reading through my like giant reading list and preparing for those. So um, so I had to take a, a step back. Plus, like I don't know, like I wrote in the thing, uh, it's kind of isolating to just. It's not like. It's not like what you guys do where you're around a bunch of people all the time. Uh, you know, editing a video, it takes like 50 hours to edit is a lot of time you spend by yourself. And, um, and so you, you just have to take a break from those kinds of things to keep, uh, to keep yourself from burning out. So, um, so that's kind of where I am. I just finished my comps a couple weeks ago and I'm starting to work on another video now. Um, I'm interviewing Titus Lunter again this weekend and then a buddy that I met through the channel who's an architect um, so that we could talk about uh, architecture and magic essentially. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's different. Like I don't want, um, I don't want magic YouTube to take up my life. So, uh, I just have to keep it in, in check and, and balanced and make sure that editing videos is fun. So, um, but you know, like it's really hard for me not to produce, like be creative and produce something. Uh, I just go crazy. I feel like I'm going to burst at the seams. So, uh, like I finished comps and the first thing I thought of was like, let's, let's do something creative. Um, just keep my mind kind of sane. So that's where I am now. Uh, certainly have big plans for this year. Let's see if I can get to them. I'm not sure, but magic will always be kind of uh, in third place in terms of my priorities. So that's where I am. And that is how it should be. And speaking of burning out, you guys may have remembered that Ed almost burned out last year. Um, Ed, do you want to talk about how unhealthy it can be at times to spend all your life in a convention center? Burning uh, out. Uh, uh, I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm on a spot here. Um, I think like, hmm. so it's all Phil. Give me, give me a chance to think about this guy. Sure, I, yeah. Let me lay the background. Doug was burning out as well. Not as bad as you particularly because he wasn't sleeping in the trunks of cars in order to get precious sleep between working and dinner. Um, but Doug started rock climbing recently, which I think he's talked about on Brainstorm Brewery. It's actually what he's doing right now. Um, it was a way for him to separate work and burning out on magic and looking at bulk all day and uh, doing something that makes him feel good and helps him with exercise. So when it comes to vending, and just looking at magic cards nonstop because a lot of our listeners aren't going to every Grand Prix, otherwise you would know them pretty well. Um, but the people that buy and look at bulk and collections all week, like how do you prevent burning out? Because I think Sam is it healthy where he has real life obligations and then other stuff because I know he likes to run and then like maybe magic. 
or content creation, though I obviously can't speak for him. So like, what are you doing? Or like, how do you prevent burning out on magic and chasing another nickel on a buy list, basically? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm not burned out yet. I, I feel reasonably okay. Uh, you were definitely burned out last year. You lost all your hair from those flames. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, um... I, I think Doug is probably looking at it in a more reasonable way. I think he's aware that even though Magic is, he's very intrinsically tied to Magic because it is his his full time job basically. Uh, whether it be vending at GPS or, uh, which isn't enough on its own because the schedule for GPS isn't quite regular enough to make it happen. Uh, he obviously still does a lot of. Uh, uh, he does sell, still sell through TCG Player. He d- does his own. Um, he puts in time to uh, to pick bulk, etc. But I think the fact that he he talks about it quite a bit in our group chat. He's it feels like he dedicates a fair amount of time uh, to uh, doing rock climbing, which is clearly something he enjoys. Uh, if anyone follows him on Twitter, he posted a video where he was actually he's still in Toronto right now, actually, which is the reason why he's not on the. Uh, um, he's on the cast right now, but he's on Toronto. He's flying back later today. And he actually spent some time at the gym, uh, at, at a rock climbing gym up in Toronto. And it seems to work out well for him. It's something he enjoys. It's something that he's willing to prioritize over doing magic full time. And I think that's a good place to be. Um, I try to be, um, I try to put things that are just not strictly related to magic at, uh, into my schedule. So during here, I'm here for two days before I leave for Memphis. Um, Gavin is here. We're at Josh's house. Um, Josh was on the cast at one point. He he was one of the owners of Tokyo MTG. Um, I'm here. We're here. We're hanging out for a few days. Uh, normally, this would be in time to catch up on things that are not just purely magic. Um, and for me, this is... In theory, I should be getting work done. There are like plenty of things I have to do, especially to get ready for Memphis next week. Some of it can be put this off. Weekend. See, you're burning out. You don't even know when Memphis is. Yeah, this weekend. I left Toronto at 6 in the morning. I got up at 3. We didn't get done with dinner until midnight, so I'm, I'm very tired right now. Um, but uh, the reason I enjoy GP so much and the reason that it hasn't just – completely destroyed me yet is that I get to see a lot of people um, at events. Uh, going to these events is an opportunity to meet and hang out with people a lot more region-based. They won't travel outside of the West Coast, for example. Every time I'm on the West Coast, I see a bunch of friends that only do West Coast events. Um, Midwest, Southeast, etc., Europe. Um, it's always nice to catch up with people, especially uh, a lot of them I wouldn't necessarily say are close friends, but their acquaintances, a lot of people, especially like cartel listeners, they've taken the time to come out and like say hi, chat with me for a bit. Um, it's always nice to see like familiar faces over and over again, especially when you do it over and over. Uh, oh, because, thank you. Um, right. Jeremy notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> um, but the fact that yeah, a lot of people, for the same reason that a lot of people uh, play magic for the social aspect, they put a lot of equity on being able to see friends have like have good dinners have all these insane stories to tell is probably a lot of the reason why i enjoy 
bending as much as I do. Um, it's just getting be able. It's just being able to see people. There's still the gathering aspect, even though a lot of what I do is, you know, purely a numbers game, right? It's bills have to be paid. Uh, it's always looking for the next dollar. Um, but trying to keep your wits about you, trying to find something. You know, Sam does it in his own way. He clearly has to prioritize school. Um, but ultimately, out there, right? Content creation. It sounds like that's still at like that's so at your heart. That's something near and dear to you. Um, and it's not something that you have to do full time to be able to enjoy. And you just have to maximize the ups when you can, even though I'm sure editing 50 hours on your video isn't, isn't the most glamorous thing. So, yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's, it's a, that's always been just a creative outlet. So as long as I have a creative outlet, it's always going to feed itself. Like, even though it is tedious at times, it's also very rewarding for those little moments where something clicks and you do something new or you learn a new editing technique or whatever. And then in the end you have a product, which is the coolest part, you know, like in the same way that you mow a lawn and you're excited because the lawn's mowed, you know, uh, the product itself is, is enough of a motivation to, um, to get through the stuff that's less glamorous. So plus, I mean, we've talked about it, but the best part is, uh, I just like to bullshit on Twitter all the time. I don't know if I could say that, but <laughs> like, that's the best part. Like I'm literally been dropped. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, yeah. And so I, I've made a lot of friends through magic, through magic Twitter. I can't wait to get back to Vegas to, to hang out with all those friends and, um, magic is a means, but the, but, but the, uh, but the hangs are the best part. so that stuff keeps you motivated, you know? So your channel had an insane growth last year. Um, you put out some of your best work last year, and I know how much you obsess over the specific details of every video, that it has to be perfect, right? Like the Lotus video took forever because I, I guess you couldn't finish it, how you envisioned it perfectly. Um, so like, say one day you become a doctor, Dr. Sam, and you move to Italy or you, you find your dream job. What do you want your channel's legacy to be when you're done with this? If what kind of question that. is that? <laughs> Man. <laughs> what do you what do you want to do when you're old and you're about to die? How do you want people to remember no, you? No, no, you, you asked that question. Oh, you know before. I'm almost done here. So <laughs> you glossed over the most important part of that question, which was legacy. That's what he wants to know. <laughs> no, like you're you're getting millions of views, uh, aggregated would be my guess. Um like, what do you want for your channel when you're done, if you're done? Like, what do you want people to remember your channel as? You know, it's cool. I just always try to make something that can be watched a year from when I make it, you know? That's always the goal is, like, can I watch this in a year and will it still be relevant? Uh, I try to fill the holes of, like, if there were, uh, if there was a small group of people doing documentaries on the goings-on in this weird trading card game, what would that look like? That's kind of a, a, a leading point for what I want to make, you know? Um, hopefully the Lotus videos, you know, holds up in five years. If anything, what's nice, like, okay, for another example, like the frames video, I did every single magic frame that ever was put out in 25 years. And over the past year, people go back to that video and say, oh man, I wish you had waited to talk about the Dominaria frames. But it's like, I, I wanted to make that so that we have at least a reference point to go back to and have a nice summary of like, how can you summarize 25 years of magic in 30, 40 minutes or whatever? Um, so yeah, I always want to like capture kind of the essence of what's going on. Um, and also have, have it be relevant a few years from when it's, 
when it's uh, when it's made, which is kind of a hard juggling thing. I also want to like be a way for um, I guess the best compliment I always get or the best comments I get on the channel is like I show these videos to my friends or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whatever who don't play magic and they can understand it. Uh, I think that's like that's really the best uh, because, you know, magic can be very insular. So um, as long as they can be relatable and you can follow the the story and you can follow like all the minutiae. Um, and even if you don't play the game, then I think that's like, that's sort of like exactly where I want to be. Um, I have a couple of plans for things that I haven't, you know, that don't exist yet on YouTube. So sometimes that's a motivation. It's like, well, why isn't there a video on this? I want to be able to make that video so that people can reference it. Um, so yeah, so, so that's the goal. Like the Lotus video, for example, was all about like, how can I how can I compare Lotus to other hobbies? Like what is the Lotus equivalent in other hobbies and what does that look like? And why is Lotus the, what it is? Um, again, for people outside of magic to understand. So I'd say that I'd say longevity and just like somewhat relevance, even, even when it's been years since I posted the video, that's the goal. Glad to hear it. Just actually curious. Cause we hang out all the time and you and, uh, I guess people know his running, but the professor and everyone put so much work into the channels. So it's interesting. Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I also want to make something that I'm proud of too. You know, like I told that it's the creative process that motivates me and, and is, is really why I do it anyway, just cause it's an outlet, like the same reason I play guitar or whatever, like why anyone does anything creative, why you guys do the cast. Cause it's nice to have a product and it's nice to go through that process. So um, so that, that in and of itself is enough of a reward in the short term. Um, so yeah, that's it. Cool. Jim, you got that beard stroke going on. That doesn't, that's not good for me. Why? Is it because you don't have a beard? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it makes it so much easier to think and to appreciate things. Yeah. <laughs> that's why when, when my wife when my wife has to think about something really hard she's like here can i borrow your face for a minute and then, like, <laughs> strokes my beard she's like ah oh, now i know what to do uh so every week we like to give away 25 dollars of coolstuffinc.com store credit so we take a question from the uh page that goes up with our our podcast and uh this week's winner is someone who has a question I think a lot of people are wondering about uh, because I think it's a thing that a lot of people do incorrectly. So Blake Miller asks, with the move away from video coverage, what is the best way to stay on the top of the hottest tech in Magic Fests and Mythic Championships if you want to make speculative buys? Uh, I think the first thing to realize from this is that if you're trying to speculate on things and you're watching video coverage, you're already too late. It's already, if they're already more expensive than they were the day before. Uh, that's not a good way to go spec on things. That's a good way to, to follow the hype on a buyout. And by the time you get the copies of the cards that you purchase, they may be worth less than what you paid for them. Uh, what I would suggest is if you really want to get in on something early is to look at what kinds of cards are people playing in their decks in articles? What people, what are streamers playing? What are, um, you know, what, what's the talk of the town or what's not the talk of the town? What do you think? How have you, what are your experiences? How have you played these cards? Like most of the time, this kind of stuff is only going to be available to standard cards. But then there's also just the thing of like, what is your, what are your plans for the spec 
card? Like, are you going to try to sell it in two weeks after it spikes at a at a tournament, or are you just gonna try to hold on to it forever? Like, is this a uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel, or is this a Dictate of Erebos? Like, what what kind of card are you trying to buy here, and what kind of card you want to buy dictates when you should buy it and how you should look for the information that is relevant to that. Uh, I think that like commander cards, for example, are things that you can find information for quicker um, through like EDH rec or through just like reading through people's deck lists on tapped out or whatever, or just reading the EDH subreddit, like figure out what cards people are excited about. And then you can buy those cards before they, they spike. But if you're trying to buy cards that are going to be like in a modern deck or a standard deck that's on coverage, by the time it's on coverage, it's already too late. Edder Sam? Yeah, I think Jim's, uh, I think that was perfect. I think um, something that is always, if you're trying to follow standard cards, always think about what happens. Uh, there's always like these sleeper cards that have a very unique effect that sort of hint at a future set. You can find this in the last 10 years of magic design. Like there's going to be one weird card that that is hiding, that's the diamond in the rough that once the new set releases, you forgot was there. So if you, that's more of an arts to keep track of those kinds of cards. But, um, but I'd say, you know, those are long-term specs. I'm not sure. I think, I think Jim's question is perfect. Cause that's a lot of what people are afraid of and worried about is <laughs> losing GP coverage. Then you lose track of what cards are good and what cards are bad, but that's always been the case. Like if you're waiting for them to spike, it's already too late. So um, that's the only thing I would add. Like, Try to imagine a future set and uh, and look at the current set of cards and what has potential to spike based on that. I think the hardest thing about using video coverage is you're, again, you're rarely going to be in a position, this is more or less just reiterating what they said, you're rarely in a position to capitalize by the time you've seen, you know, I assume part of the, the reasoning behind this question is uh, in Toronto this weekend, there was a, people were talking about how a, there was a 9-0 deck that was red, a, a soldier deck that was a 9-0. It was red-white soldiers. That was basically it. Uh, I believe some people talked on Twitter about it. People were saying it's not really fair to the people who aren't at the event. They kind of have a head, heads up. For example, if I really wanted to, I could go out, I could scout the deck. I could scout the top tables at the GP. And, and identify that, oh, this is a spicy new deck. I probably should make some moves on this. Um, realistically, that's not going to be the case. The deck was 9-0 on day one. The guy the guy who was playing it didn't top eight. I don't think he had a phenomenal finish. Um, so are there is there going to be movement on some cards? Yes. Uh, the um, So for everyone who doesn't know, if you actually follow Shell Fireball on Twitter, they, they're, a lot of the coverage is done, done through tweets. Not the best medium to do it, I know, but that's what people have to work with right now. If you go to, uh, let me see if I pull up the URL here, uh, coverage.channelfireball.com, they're doing their own coverage. That's how they have standings posted. Um, they have, if I'm looking at the link for Toronto right now, they have all the day two deck lists up. There's uh, nine through 32nd, then the top eight deck lists up, and it shows, and there's a uh, a Twitter feed that has everything that tweeted out over the course of the weekend, everyone who used a hashtag for Toronto. Um, 
But again, I don't think most people are really in a cap a position to capitalize on it. Again, even if you were somehow ahead of the curve and you saw that, oh, this vendor has a bunch of field marshals in stock. Let me try and buy all their field marshals or something. Chances are someone already brought it out or bought it out ahead of you. And by the time the order gets to you, the inventory might not be synced and they'll give you the they'll give you the, hey, I'm sorry, we have to refund your order. This this item oversold our inventory. Um Crystal Commerce didn't sync it up in time. We can't send it to you anyways. Um, so I don't think it's the biggest loss. I think you're better off trying to put your speculative efforts elsewhere. Like Sam said, look ahead into standards. Try, try and find out what the key interaction is. That might not be good right now, but might be better down the line. Um, if you're wanting to speculate, I think you would have much, much more luck trying to do that. And you could, because one, you'll actually be able to get cards especially with standard supply generally is an issue. Um, and you'll be able to get the cards you want and just tuck it away in a spec box or something and hope to capitalize down a line as opposed to, oh, I hope I can buy this card because I saw on coverage first because realistically you aren't, so. I think I agree with you, Ed, because even the vendors know when players come to them at events, what's selling well and what isn't, and they can adjust their buy prices and sell prices even before the event starts. Um, but I think Jason Alt's school of investing, where if you want to, like you say you want to stay on top of the Magic Fest and Mythic Championship stuff to spec, but EDH is going to be better most of the time, unless you have connections like Ed or you're able to buy a buy list like a local shop. It's just not going to be as good. Stick to EDH. You're not going to get burned as much. And the thing that Ed said about supply, it hurts when you're trying to move these cards. Unless you have something like Teferi or Arclight Phoenix, those mid-level $8 to $10 standard cards, you have to fight with a lot of people online to sell those. Um, so it's just it's going to be a lot harder every time. So, Blake, I would move more more, more towards EDH, reserve list, or old school, um, and not necessarily towards standard or modern, because there's a lot more competition there. We are seeing more signs, though, as Ed talked about last week, that buy lists are finally heating up. Uh, retail and stuff is finally moving up. Um, expeditions and foils haven't moved much, even with eBay and TCG having sales. But I would just stick to reserve list, old school, EDH. I wouldn't try and get burned on standard because there's nothing that's a slam dunk like Jace Architect of Thought anymore. So, uh, Jim, where can Blake claim his credit? I just wanted to add one more thing before we did that. Sure. Uh, if you are really, really hellbent on trying to speculate on on um, cards that are good for standard or for modern, uh, I think the single best thing you can do is probably just like buy Star City Premium and read all their articles. Like, just see what pro players are talking about, and then make your moves based on that. Because they'll usually say things the week before they decide to play the deck, and people don't really. Like they they're like seeing as believing kind of thing. Like until it does well at a tournament, they don't think it exists. But anyway, so uh Blake, send me an email at cardsellaristocrats at gmail.com and I can I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. If you'd like to win next week, you can leave a comment on our article or our the article with our podcast, which should be going up uh Tuesday, February twelfth. And if your question gets chosen, you could win $25 of CoolStiffInc.com store credit. And if not, we will have Ed respond to your question on his own time when he remembers to not fall asleep. 
Why or, do you say like on his own time? Like we're getting paid for this. Like everything is our own time. Do you know how many exposure bucks I made this month? I'm sorry. No. How many what bucks? Exposure bucks. No, I, I don't. Three lattes off of uh, YouTube comments, dude. I think they're calling that clout these days, Jeremy. That's called clout. <laughs> yeah, but like we don't even have enough exposure dollars to be on the podcast, like. What was it? The, oh, the wizard, wizard, the wizard just, survey thing you're saying? Yeah, the, the wizard survey either. that has like we, a bunch of podcasts. Firmly the other category, always, you know, other. Yeah, we're so cool. We're other. That's right, man. It's better to be that way. You know, you don't sell out. You're just alternative, man. People haven't heard of you. Brainstorm Brewery tried to get on, and they couldn't even get on winging it. So it, it happens sometimes, man. <laughs> oh my god, that was such a bad <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings joke. <laughs> they tried to write the wrong things. <laughs> yeah, they are alternative, we know. Hey. Oh my god. I thought you were here to help me shame him for his bad puns. You said <laughs> you said you were gonna come on and help me tell him that he shouldn't do this anymore. And now you're making them. You're encouraging him. You're not I helpful. Know, that one was just spicy enough, so I can't resist. No, that's that's but it's about the same amount of spice as all of the rest of his, which you should not encourage. <laughs> I thought you're from New York. You should love Buffalo jokes. Not that New York. New York City, not New York State. <laughs> it's a different state. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah, it is a different state. <laughs> ask Doug, ask Doug where he lives and and he'll well, he won't tell you New York. He'll tell you, I don't know, wherever he lives. It's not New York. It's New all York right. State, not New York City. You guys want to cover anything else before we get into pick of the week? I don't know, man. What's going on in the world of magic finance that we need to talk about? Nothing. I mean, there's that like new modern product that nobody knows what it is, and it's not a master set. It's gonna yeah. like blow our minds. We covered that last week. Yeah, oh, what is it? Good magic finance topic, and none of us are fiduciaries. Um TCG player just sent out taxes if you sell on TCG. PayPal just sent out 1099s, I think. I think PayPal just sent out 1099Ks. Pay your taxes. If you sold a lot of cards last year and you got really good returns on everything going up, make sure you pay your taxes. That's MTG Finance related. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to owe money anyway because they changed the withholding amounts and you're just going to get destroyed. Wait, what? Oh, you didn't know that? At the beginning of last year, they changed how much the IRS's uh, base withholding amount is. So oh. a lot of people are having smaller tax refunds or negative tax refunds. You're assuming I make money. So you yeah. do. You buy and sell. You literally just said pay taxes <laughs> and you do that, presumably. Uh, yes, my business did okay. I did not make any money. So. I don't know if I believe you, but. Yep. But uh, yeah, pay pay them so you don't get yelled up by Uncle Sam. Uh huh. That's uh, that's pretty much it. Well, that's that's a good that's a good outlook to have. Yep. Uh, Sam, will you be at any events coming up besides Vegas this year? Um, no plans for. There was an SCG live thing that I wanted to go to last weekend in Dallas. That was the closest thing to me. But yeah. otherwise, I think Vegas is my jam because I, it's where I can hang out with everyone that I know rather than 
you know, I don't really occupy the space of like going to a GP to play or uh, I don't have as much influence to get like invited to one to be like a guest or whatever. So, and that's fine with me because I wouldn't be as interested in that. Um, I'd rather just go and hang out with people I know. So Vegas is usually the the number one for that. I might be, there might, there's a chance I might be teaching in Italy in June. So if I could get to like a European GP around that time, June or July, that would be sick just because especially in Italy, like Bologna, that would be awesome. And I think there is one around that time. So um, perhaps that, but otherwise those, I mean, Vegas is like, Vegas is the knockout punch for me. So. Glad to hear it. Um, is it time for pick yeah. of the week so that we can yeah. jump on Ed so he's not ready? Edward, what do you have this week? Uh, in line with a lot of the Orzov or Orzov centric spikes that we've seen as of late. Um, I think I like uh, Kaya Ghost Assassin this week. It actually occupies uh, two slots very well. One, it's Orzov. That seems to be the trend. Uh, if you missed out, uh, there's a lot of Orzov related cards in conjunction with Tessa that have uh, that have gone up. Um, that's a good place to be. I think a lot of people are trying to catch on. It's caused definitely a resurgence in those types of cards. I think Ogre Slumlord was the re most recent one. I saw that on the um, finance, uh, MTG Finance subreddit. Uh, I think some of the past ones have included... Uh... Jim, help me out here. I'm trying to think of some of the ones that happened last week. I don't have my mental facilities about me, so... Um, yeah, but it's so, it's so much more enjoyable to watch you squirm. All right. Um... Anyways, uh, Kyle Ghost Assassin, it's good. Uh, a lot of the Conspiracy 2 cards have gone quite expensive as well, anyone who hasn't noticed. Um, most of the Mythics, Expropriate being uh, the foremost one, that card is up to $55 on TCG. 60 uh, 60 great. Yeah. Uh, foils are basically non-existent. I believe this is in conjunction with that other YouTube channel that mentioned about how good Conspiracy 2 was. Boxes have been dried up. Um, you used to be able to buy Conspiracy 2 for the longest time from distributors. They could not get rid of their boxes in any capacity. Um, every time there's a sale where they're trying to dump stuff, Conspiracy 2 was basically at the top of the list. Um, and now the fact that most of that product is gone a lot of the cards that have been in low supply are getting quite expensive, and even the cards that uh, weren't have also trended upwards as well. Uh, some of the mythics in that list, Expropriate, Queen Marchesa has seen some legacy play in the four-card loam decks. Sovala, uh, perennial EDH favorite, is over $30 now. Uh, um, Sanctum Prelate sees some fringes play in Death and Taxes. Uh, I'm trying, to I'm trying to see what else is on the list here. That is, um, I think those are the uh, biggest ones. Labeled obviously got hit with a reprint, so that's certainly fallen off. Like, uh, um, Marchesa's okay. money too. Yeah, Marchesa's good. My legacy. Yep, I, I, I think I said that. Uh, and even things like Berserk, Show and Tell, they aren't like super expensive, but it's those types of things that are very, very easy to turn over because it's much, much more difficult to buy the original Urza Saga. Or uh, the ABU Berserks. Um, and uh, again, uh, Kaya, it, it definitely has a lot of pieces that work well in EDH play, mainly because this has each opponent. So you're draining people for a lot of life, or you're hitting their hand uh, a lot. 
I think it's good. It's again because it's fairly narrow in application. You're basically playing Orzhov with it. I know there's a lot of different cards that work very, very well in uh, Orzhov strategies. It's slow, but I think the supply is constrained enough that it's just a matter of time until this card goes up. And when it goes up, it's not going up by 10, 20%. It's going from, I think it's 10 to $12 right now. And it, it, when it does go up, I imagine it's probably going to be upwards of like $30 or something. So I think it's, if you don't have one, buy it now. I probably wouldn't recommend trying to buy out the internet. I don't think you'll be able to turn your money over fast enough to make it worthwhile. But if you need one, get it now. Sam, moment you've been waiting for. Yeah. Um, so I am still stuck on Bloodsworn Steward. It's a it's a card from the Commander product, uh, Commander 2017. It's a Vampire Knights 4-4 flyer that gives your commander creatures to plus two, plus two in haste. It's really similar to a card that I really loved from a previous set in 2015 called Bastion Protector that I thought was awesome um, because it preceded the partner mechanic. Um, if we're going to exist in the EDH realm, that's really the only kind of cards that I can talk about. Bastion Protector is seven bucks. It spiked and has just been solid in that realm. Uh, the reason I go back to Bloodsworn Steward is because it has really relevant subtypes. Uh, it was in the Edgar Markov deck, and the Edgar Markov deck, Edgar Markov himself already has haste, so that was kind of the knock against it. Like, I'm still surprised that this is only 50 cents. It's kind of petered out for like a year. But um, if we look at last year's product, we have the word commander listed quite often in a lot of the cards. Like, it's gone from uh, a zone to a pseudo mechanic. And I think that's still a lot of design spaces to tap into that word commander and putting it on in the text box of cards. Uh, and this one gives your commander's haste and plus two plus two. And I think that partner sooner or later is gonna come back um, just cause it's so rich and you can, you can do so much with it. And if Gavin is leading a commander product I don't see him not tapping into that again. So I still really like this card. I think it's relevant and I think it, uh, it can go to a buck, maybe a buck fifty. Uh, it's not super flashy, but I mean, it's a four-four flyer for four with relevant subtypes and um, has the potential to do something sweet with just that 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 text box outside of Lieutenant has not been printed except for on Bastion Protector, and we saw what happened to that card. So, um, just calling out Commander Creature specifically, and with the inevitability of Partner coming back, I really like this card, and I still will. I'll keep pushing it until until it moves um but that's where that's where my pick is slow down sands gotta, <laughs> gotta watch out there jim so i have like an anti like a an anti pick of the week is that a thing we can do like i think you should sell this if you have it kind of thing dude sneakers sneaker youtube loves doing that that's a thing oh. you guys could incorporate man they like you know cop or drop or whatever it's called so yeah get it so uh in the realm of a lot of Orzov cards that are spiking, uh, Tesa Orzov Scion, which is the guild packed, like the OG OG Tesa, uh, went from like three dollars to like thirteen dollars right now, and it's in the guild kit. It's the foil on the front. Uh, those <laughs> guild kits come out on Friday. There's no reason you should own these. There, it's not going to be thirteen dollars in four days. So. Uh, anyone who's buying these, I don't know, understand why. Like, I guess you didn't read the deck list, and I try, I'm not like trying to sound like an asshole about it, but like that's just now we're dropped. 
Uh, sorry, two curses. My bad. Um, yeah, like it doesn't make sense to me that this this card has spiked like ten dollars since the beginning of the month, which is a a week and a couple of days. Uh, it's unreal for a card that gets reprinted on Friday. So if you own these. Please, I would recommend either buy listing them to your store if they're paying like $7 for them or whatever, or just like trade them to people. Just like don't own these because there's no reason that they're going to be this expensive, uh, you know, at the end of the week. What I will say though is that I think that this, because this card got more expensive, people will start to play with it more. Uh, I very recently finished filming a uh, commander budget deck thing where I played the. Orzov guild kit with Tesa as my commander, and she's super busted. Uh, I don't think a lot of people necessarily play with her because it doesn't look she doesn't look very powerful. But then you just like sit down to play a game and like nobody can ever attack you because you'll kill all their things. So it's a pretty pretty good deterrent. Um, one of the cards from that deck that I was not able to play because it was over budget but is still very inexpensive is. Uh, a card that I think I've already picked in the past, and I think other people have picked in the past, but it's called Darkest Hour. It's a black enchantment that makes all your creatures in, into black creatures into in addition to their other uh, colors. It's worth money. Buy us for something. I mean, they're only two dollars, like re- like on um, GCG Player. I think Card Kingdom pays over a dollar. Yeah, like I I can't imagine that after this guild kit comes out that if someone wants to play this commander, they're not going to immediately want to purchase the Darkest Hour. Um, Foils are already very expensive uh, because they're only available in 7th edition. So that's not particularly surprising. I probably wouldn't buy any of those. uh, But $2 for a regular copy of this card seems kind of, it it seems extremely low. Uh, If I were you you and I owned... Tesa Orzov Scion, I would sell or I would trade all of my Tesa Orzov Scions for just Darkest Hours that just straight across it would make you a ton of money. It also okay. save you a bunch of money because uh, EDH players are notoriously slow at buying things. Yep. My pick of the week is Zeranorb. This is a card that has continued to accelerate in price for the last six months due to Titania and the fact that lands and Legacy had everything printed but Zoranurb, Tabernacle, and Mox Diamond, essentially, at this point. Every other piece of lands has been in some reprint product in the last three years. Uh, this card has landed in a lot of different decks, and it's the incremental life gain is pretty good Ooh. at what it does. Um, but this is something that you can still find in bulk in a lot of places. Uh, a lot of people still think this is like 50 cents to a dollar. I believe this is $2 retail. And um, a lot of shops have recently, in the last three months, raised their buy price to over a dollar on it. Uh, this is just a slow burn card where I don't see them reprinting it in the next commander set. And this can be an easy three or four dollar card in uh, a year. So, Jeremy, this is not a slow burn card, it's a life gain card. Sure. Uh, but it's just something to keep in mind. So, other than that, um, I'm very interested to see where expeditions and box toppers go because I know Ed is as as he <laughs> rubs his hands together like Scrooge McDuck. Uh, time out, time out. Did you just call him Scourge McDuck? <laughs> Scourge guys, Scourge McDuck. I think of Marcel. I, uh, I know, 
I know the name of the set is Scourge, but his no, no. name is Scourge. Scrooge. That's Scourge. <laughs> uh, guys, we need people to buy out box toppers because we can't have Ed live another year on ramen. So uh, if you can, no, I'm kidding. Uh, just uh, it's something that I've been keeping in mind. Um, I'm just monitoring BIOS specifically on these because obviously Grand Prix BIOS are always different than online shop BIOS. But if Card Kingdom, SCG, Channel Fireball starts raising their buy prices on these cards, it's something to keep in mind because you could really get away with a lot of insane trades and sales to these vendors when they needed these cards back in stock. Um, Ed would like to tell the cast that I'm poor and any help is appreciated. I did not make this up. It is a direct quote. Um, please hashtag feed Ed, according to Sam. That's right. Hashtag feed Ed. Yep. I thought this chat was private. The... Yeah, well, I didn't say that, but I do have a good feed Ed story. Uh, when there was the Grand Prix in Orlando. Oh, is this the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me just finish the story before you interrupt. We went to we went to Universal Studios to go have dinner at one of the restaurants that are like right outside, and we went to this Italian place and we all ordered dinner. Whatever it was, me and Ed and like three or four other people, and uh, the waiter comes by and asks if we want dessert, and I'm like pretty full because like it's Italian food, you get infinite of it. That's just what happens. And Ed looks at the Ed looks at the dessert menu, and it's like there's like a six pound cannoli for like. $12 and he's like it would just be bad value not to get this and I was like yeah it's a six pound like we can all have like a pound of cannoli for like a dollar this like in unheard of in in the you know the tourist market and I was like you know what Ed you're right this, it would just be bad value we just we have to get this and ever since then that's just like been my like go-to story about Ed it's just like he it doesn't matter if it was good or bad. It was just bad value not to get it. Not to do it, yeah. Ed's the type of guy that brings an empty fat pack to Olive Garden to bring breadsticks home. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Olive Garden. Anyone out there, Olive Garden is the worst. Do you think that their food is an impasta? Cuisine? <laughs> that wasn't even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Jeremy killed Sam, but this that's, is it. that's the one we found it. That was it. <laughs> Goodness, gosh. Uh, all right. You're not well, even from Boston. You can't even say it like that. You're not even allowed to say it like that. Um, we're going to end this cast for the viewers that had to do with my audio this week. I'll have a new mic next week, so my audio will be good again. Um, I know Sam takes his audio seriously, and it depends. Uh, which airport he's in. Uh, where can people find you guys? I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. I will be in Memphis this weekend uh, behind the Tales of Adventure booth. And I'll be answering all other questions on the cast shortly. <laughs> Sam? Yeah, I'm at Touristic Studies on Twitter and on YouTube, and that's the only spots you can find me. So at Touristic Studies. I guess TouristicStudies.com is a website, but that doesn't lead you to contact me. So maybe you should put your Twitter handle on your website. So people who find your website could also find where you shit post. That's right. Yeah. I shit post at Ristic studies. You can find me there. And uh, 
<laughs> there is there are links to the Twitter on the website, Jim. You would know that if you visited it. I didn't even know you had a website. I don't I don't go to anywhere other than twitter.com slash <laughs> uh is it you? No, just slash my name. Uh my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROSD underscore. You can find my articles usually every other week on coolstuffinc.com. You can find me on this great podcast uh most weeks. Uh, next month, you can find me in Seattle and or Vancouver if you want to trade some Pokemans. Um, and that's that's about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere and nowhere at the same place at the same time. I'm Missouri MTG. I will be in Memphis this weekend. I will probably find a way to get breadsticks to Ed's booth. And uh, if I can get like a suitcase of breadsticks, I'll see if I can get a picture. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm hosting a Legacy 5K next month. Uh, there's currently a contest going on on Twitter. If you live anywhere in the world and you have not played a sanctioned Legacy event, let me know what you want to, and I'll fly you under the tournament, put you up, and give you a deck to play for free. Um, not Jim. <laughs> I technically, technically, I have never played a sanctioned game of Legacy. I've only played. I've only played sanctioned games of Type One. Sure. Okay, <laughs> Mr. One Percenter over here with this Type One. Yeah, well, that's what my friends in high school, they owned decks that were Type One, and that's what we played. Um, other than that, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, MTG Cast when it goes back up, and of course, our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com. Anything you want to leave us with, Sam, before we uh, head out? Um. You know, uh, play Legacy if you can. Support Jeremy, support Ed, and uh, go Rangers. Ooh. Uh, I'm well, a man. I'm a wow, I was like, I was like, man, what are you doing? Why are you support Jeremy, support Jed? And then you picked my sports team, and I was like, never mind. We got it. We're good. We're good. <laughs> well, just like the Rangers, let's get the puck out of here. And as always, thanks for listening, guys, and bye-bye.